We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. The Indiana Pacers. Reggie from the wing. to the big fella, fake shoots, and seconds to play. Seven. Here's a three by Oladipo. Oh, he hit it! Victor Oladipo from three-point range. 18.7 seconds left. Miller for three, and he got it. Reggie Miller with a clutch tray and a steal. Miller retreats to the three-point Alrighty, welcome back to Setting the Pace. I'm your host and co-host today, uh, Alex Golden. And joining me, the other co-host, he is the coach and the insider, Tyler Smith. Tyler, what's going on, my man? Hey, not too much. Ready to talk some basketball, talk about Aaron Holiday. <laughs> Things are going good. Yes, sir. Aaron Holiday has been playing phenomenal basketball. <clears throat> yeah, I think uh, I was joking today that he needs uh, 48 minutes going forward, so we'll see if that... Uh, pans out or not but <laughs> yeah well a good a good friend of the podcast tony East, wrote a nice article about him uh and how he could fit into the rotation and did you like what he had to say about that because i was i was pretty intrigued by him maybe taking tj Lee's minutes as well and going with a smaller lineup at that second unit yeah i mean you got to find minutes somewhere and that's um pretty logical spot um i think tony also said he could take a couple of uh, collison's minutes and maybe be around 10 minutes um, that's a good start, but there's always a chance if he keeps playing well and earns a few more here and there, maybe even as high as 15 or 20, then uh, it's a good problem to have, but Pacers will need to figure that out somehow. Yeah, and honestly, if you're worried at all about maybe the rebounding situation with that second unit with McDermott playing the four, you could honestly you know, bring him in maybe a little bit earlier for, for Thad Young and then put Thad Young with that second unit as well, uh, just depending on how you want to do that. But at the end of the day, I, th- I think Sabonis <clears throat> is probably the team's best rebounder. So I wouldn't be too concerned about putting Sabonis with, you know, four shooters. 
yeah, I would like to see it. And I think McMillan's done a pretty good job of mixing and matching. Um, and I think, you know, it depends on the matchups, depends on how the game's going. Um, and then obviously one of the big pluses of this team is being able to handle injuries uh, better than a year ago. And, you know, he'll see some minutes uh, with guys out as well. Yeah, so Oladipo, he missed pretty much this whole weekend, but uh, he didn't play very well on Friday night versus the Heat. had five points, or eight points, I think it was. And then he was in the game for a few minutes on Saturday, got hurt, never came back, and he was out last night. And, you know, honestly, it it really didn't matter, and that's something we couldn't have said with this team last year. Uh, This team was so reliant on Oladipo, but now, you know, they're 3-0 when Oladipo really hasn't been been effective for him. So, what was the reasoning for them, you know, succeeding without Oladipo? I think it's a combination of things. Part of it is just, you know, I think they have more depth on the team, um, but they're also more comfortable with each other. Um, you know, some of the guys that have stepped up from even a year ago and uh, buying into the system, and I just think they're a little more prepared for it. No, I agree with you, and I think part of the reason, I mean, last night, what was it? Nine turnovers, was that what we had overall? Or ten turnovers, something like that? I think so, yeah, something like that. 35 assists. I mean, when you're passing the ball like that, you're going to be hard to beat on any night. Yep. Yeah, and McMillan said, you know, this is what we're capable of. And he said, this is what I've been talking about. So, you know, the the potential is clearly there. And that's no pushover team. I mean, the Jazz are a solid team. I know they're 8-9, and but they've had um, a lot of road games recently. And it's a good squad. So it was an impressive win. Yeah, and I think what was the most impressive was just the defense. I know that we talk about the offense a lot because it's something that you watch more with McMillan, but that defense looked really good. Now, Ricky Rubio got hot in that first half, but you didn't hear anything from Donovan Mitchell, and Rudy Gobert was pretty quiet as well. Yeah, it was impressive all around. You know, I I put it right up there, top one or two uh, wins of the season, and not to mention coming off, you know, three days and four nights, no Oladipo playing a solid team. Um, I think the Pacers are still maybe second in uh, points given up, or I know they're in top three in a lot of defensive categories. So that's that's huge. Yeah, and they continue to be overlooked by national media. Um, it's interesting because I listen to a lot of NBA podcasts mm-hmm. just to kind of get their takes on things and just to kind of keep up with the league because there's so much going on. You really can't keep up with everything if you have any sort of life. So uh, I, I try to listen to those when I can, and – it's just constantly. They just keep overlooking the Pacers, and I, I honestly am I'm okay with that. I kind of like it. Yeah, we said that, you know, I think first week of the show, you know, guys are uh, being overlooked and, you know, maybe a little more expectation than last year, but still, you know, everybody mentioning the other four or five teams in front of them, and here we are. I know it's only 17 games in, but you know, all of a sudden you look up, and it's like, hey, the two games behind the one seed and, you know, third seed overall, um, they're right in the mix. And, and the schedule has not been—I don't know if it, I don't know where it's been at uh, strength-wise. I don't know if it's in the top or the half, but I've, I feel like it's more in the middle uh, from what I've seen because there's been some teams that have had some really easy schedules. Now we played some bad teams like Atlanta. We played Cleveland. We obviously played Brooklyn, who's not been the greatest, but you know they have played some tough teams. You know, uh, especially Boston. You know, I, I'm excited. Milwaukee's been really good too. So they've had their fair share of games, but they're going to have to figure out just exactly what they can do going forward against some of these upper echelon teams in the Eastern Conference because if they want respect, they're going to have to get it. Yeah, and that's when it's going to get really fun. But you got to take care of business. Um, if they want any shot of you know first round and first round home court or even higher aspirations than that, got to take care of business when you can. And then uh, you know at least play 500 ball against the big boys. And it's 
so far so good. Now, did you happen to get any questions this week about anything uh, via direct messages or anything? Uh, I've mainly just had some questions about Holiday, just trying to figure out where to fit him in, um, how he's going to play. And again, it's a good problem to have. Um, of course, you always have the Turner Sabonis stuff, but um, <laughs> I think lately it's been uh, Holiday Mania. Um, I didn't wasn't at the games this weekend. Um, shout out to iPacers Blog for filling in for me. I had some stuff to do over the weekend, but. Um, and by the way, he's six and zero when he fills in for me. So I think you're the curse. You know, uh, oh, they still have a good record when I'm there. But <laughs> six and zero, I Pacers blog shout out. You know, if they go to a game seven in the playoffs, I may have to uh, send him. Yeah, I I think that every Pacer fan should sign that petition to make that happen. Um, <laughs> now I've been getting some interesting <clears throat> comments, and it's and it's more long term stuff. Uh, questions on, you know, we've talked about this too. You said it on Twitter as well. This makes Collison and or Joseph expendable if this is who Aaron Holiday really is over an 82-game season. Now, I don't want to jump to those conclusions yet because they've yeah. been two home games. How how will he play on the road? I mean, there's still a lot <laughs> to evaluate with Holiday. But with that being said, long-term, I mean, long-term, do you think he could be the starting point guard next year? I think that's the dream scenario for multiple reasons, not only, you know, Drafting a guy at number 23 when he was projected top 15, um, you know, developing your own guys is great, especially for a small market. Um, but then that would just open up so many things. He'd be on a cheaper contract. You could possibly have the money to, to pay Sabonis and, and another player, um, depending how other things shake out. But it would be huge if that, if that would happen. I remember tweeting when they drafted him that, you know, I expected him to be top 15 pick. And I thought, okay, this year I, I can see him getting some minutes. And then he has the potential. I liked what I saw of him out of college. He has the potential to be a starting guard in this league or at the very least um, a good backup. So, you know, if that happens, then Pacers are in really good shape because they're still trying to acquire all these young guys with talent the best they can. And it would be huge. Yeah, and, and then with me, one of the questions I kept getting to was, well, what if we went out and got a guy like Kemba Walker in free agency? And then you had Holiday back him up. And I said, to me, that seems like more of the Pacers' wish list than it would be to start Holiday. Because if you don't, you know, get a star like a Kemba Walker, because he's been an all-star a couple times, you know, if you don't get a star like that, I mean, you want to win. And I I don't think Holiday right now is that guy that's going to get you to that point. But I'm not saying Kemba is either. But I'm just saying, if you probably feel like you have a better chance with Kemba, Uh, Another guy that I mentioned when I was commenting uh, back and forth with some of these guys uh, via direct message was I wouldn't be surprised if Goran Dragic becomes available either uh, as far as a trade piece. You know, he's a little bit older, but I think he might be an upgrade over Carlson and or Corey Joseph. Yeah, I mean, very intriguing name. I think Kevin Pritchard's going to be in a situation where he's seen what's available and he can pounce on what you know? What falls in his lap? Um, he may have a target for what he wants, and then if he doesn't get it, you know, it could be Plan B is Holiday takes over as a starter or backup, and then they go after a, a three, three and D guy and make uh, Bogdanovich a, a stud off the bench or something like that. You know, there's a lot of options, but it's kind of like how I would view going into a draft where everyone's like, "Well, we need this position." To me, it's a long-term thing each time, so it's like get the best available player. Uh, for a draft, typically. And so I think Pritchard may be looking at that when it comes to free agency and trades as well. Is Walker available? 
is another point guard or is a three and D guy available? What's going to fit the best and go from there. But that's why you just love when a guy like holiday, you know, in just a couple games is shown some talent. Cause it's like, okay, if we have this piece, then that opens up possibilities to do other things. Yeah. Are we giving up on TJ leaf? I wouldn't say giving up, but he's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> close. <laughs> yeah. Somebody, somebody tweeted me the other day and said, you know, here's a chance to be honest. Is he does he belong in any NBA roster? And I said borderline at best right now. I mean, yeah. But he does have offensive talent, and you know, some guys it takes a while, and sometimes it's a system thing. But I don't know. Just imagine if we had OG and Anobi, man. Yeah, that'd be nice. Although it's looking like the last couple draft picks may may pan out. So you gotta typically will be hit and miss, but more hits the better and. What do you think, yeah. though, in terms of uh, Collison as far as um, – I don't see anybody being traded in the near future. In, in fact, one reason I think they've been playing so well recently is the point guard play. Um, Collison in the last eight games has looked more like last year's version. Um, even more aggressive. I, yeah, and he's shooting all, almost 50% from three. I think he had a seven assists, either no turnover or one turnover game recently. Um, so, I mean, he's, he's playing better. Joseph's playing great. Shooting lights out, playing really well with Vic, and then you have Holiday. So I don't know. It's yeah, it's tough. I mean, if if Collison is going to be effective on the court, he has to be looking for a shot, and he has to be aggressive, pushing the ball up on rebounds, steals, being the passing lanes. Because when he's just kind of a non-factor out there, just kind of moving the ball, uh, and and isn't really being a, a, I guess you could say a threat on offense. I just feel like. You know, he's kind of lost out there because defensively he is quick, but he's not going to be able to, you know, keep somebody from moving because he's going to get moved quite a bit. Where Corey Joseph, on the other hand, is a lot better defender. And I think that's why they kind of complement one another because Corey Joseph, his offense is just not very good. Uh, he has a couple nice little floaters every once in a while, but when he when he spots up for three, I, I feel like it's going to clank most of the time. Uh, <laughs> no offense to Kojo, I just, I just don't like his offensive game that much. But, you know, long-term, even if you have to get rid of one of them next year, I, you know, I, I'd rather get rid of Collison right now than Joseph. Overall, I just think Corey's been the better player this year. But with that being said, I mean, if, if you don't go out and get a Kemba Walker-type player or a Goran Dragic or somebody like that in the offseason, these guys seem pretty comfortable here. And McMillan feels pretty comfortable with them. And if they want yeah. to move Holiday into that backup point guard position, then you just pick between the two of them and make one of them your starter and let the other one walk. I just I wouldn't pay either one, <laughs> both of them though. I wouldn't pay both yeah. of them with, with Holiday on the bench. Yeah, I've, I've I've long been saying that either either one will be gone or both uh, come next year. More than likely, yeah. um, you never know. Like you said, but and I, I kind of go back to an earlier point as well. If it comes to the you know this February around the trade deadline. Um, Pritchard may be making some calls. What's available? Does uh, is there some team that you know point guard goes down and they're making a call for Collison and maybe you get more than what people think they can get? Like right now, they would say maybe get second round pick or something like that for Collison expiring deal. But team loses a point guard and Collison's got decent numbers. Holiday's ready for backup. You never know what could come up. Right. So that's why GMs have to and presidents have to uh, yeah. you know be willing to see what's available before, you know, making final decisions on anything. Yeah, and, and like you said, the Pacers have a lot of expiring contracts. Um, I don't expect them to get rid of someone like Thad Young, but that's another player that could be a huge piece for a playoff team. 
Um, now, I don't think they'll ever get rid of Thad Young. I think they'll let him walk in the end of the season and make their decision then. <clears throat> but if a trade came up where like they felt like they couldn't deny it, like if there's a team that really wants to give us something because they feel like Thad might be that missing piece, you know, you might take it, especially since you do have expiring contracts and there's a lot of teams that think they're going to go out there and get the next Clay or the Kevin Durant's that are out there, Jimmy Butler. So it'll be interesting to see what the Pacers do come February. But right now, I mean, if they plan the way they are, I would expect McMillan, or not McMillan, uh, Pritchard to stay with that same group like he did last year and just kind of let them ride it out. Because right now they're the third best team in the Eastern Conference and they're looking pretty good. Yep. So I do want to talk a little bit about McDermott. What did you think about his offensive performance last night? I I love the movement that I'm seeing from him. It doesn't feel like he's just standing in the corner. Yeah, what's interesting is the last couple games he's not shot well from three, but he's done. You know, he's he's played well otherwise. Um, I did some digging today though, and this is a stat that might surprise a lot of people. But um, the Pacers, when Doug McDermott plays thirteen minutes or more in a game, are ten and two on the season. <laughs> One and four when he Started. plays under. Yeah, <laughs> when he plays under thirteen. Now, obviously, the correlation there is. When he's getting more minutes, it's because he's more involved in the offense, and when he's involved, he can be pretty effective. But, um, I mean, who knows how much correlation really is there, but, um, it, you know, it goes with a lot of the second unit in itself. When the second unit plays well, you know, the starters are typically going to be either a plus or, you know, close and plus minus. So when the bench plays well, it's a tough team to beat, and I think McDermott fits right into that. And so if, if he can play as well off the ball and, and score some two-point buckets, and then, you know, you still get him some chances for threes, then he can be much more effective than we've seen. And, and, and you know, some of that's played really well with him is Bojan Bogdanovic. Uh, the last three games they played a few minutes together, and they were closing games out together. It was Bojan, Doug, Sabonis, uh, Holiday, and Joseph. And I, and I love that lineup. They were just playing so well together. And I like seeing Bojan play that stretch for a little bit. Because he's he's got the size that he can that he can play the four. He's a decent rebounder, not great, but you know him and McDermott are both very just fundamental players, and so they're not afraid to go out there and, and get a little dirty on the glass. But it's not their game, of course. They're more scorers, slashers, that kind of thing. But when you spread the floor out like that, and you and you don't have to worry about Thad Young being the only guy spotting up in the corner, it really does make a difference, and and it opens up the lane for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I really like that group together. And I think Bullion right now has probably been the third best pacer so far this season. Yeah, I, I tweeted this yesterday, I think. Is is this guy just, like, continually better at basketball than what people think? I mean, so, I he's been so smooth, man. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, obviously, when, when he was signed, it was like, all right, the pacer needs some shooting. He's a spot-up shooter. But then, you know, him talking to interviews, and he's like, I knew as a starter I needed to step up my defensive game and um, drive into the lane. He's done both of that. And then he has a good season, and then after that season, fans are like, "Well, that's a fluke. He's you know he's expendable. He's not gonna." And then he's playing this well, you know, almost every night. So I did a story last year. I remember. I know we're talking McDermott, but Bogdanovich last year in wins versus losses, it was a huge difference. It's like when he plays well, the team wins, and yeah. we've seen that recently. It's he's a huge part of this team's success for sure. Um, not necessarily like something that you really want to rely on because Bojan is who he is, you know. I think he is better as a six-man type of guy coming off the bench. But for what this team is and what they have, I mean, he's he's playing a perfect role for him, and you really can't ask much more from him. And I think he, I think Pat Boylan had this today. It might have been Scott Agnes, one of the two. They put out and said that they interviewed Bojan after practice, and he basically just said that his success 
has come from McMillan playing him some at that stretch four, and he's really been able to take advantage of fours guarding him off the pick and rolls and the pick and pop. So that's something exciting that he's willing to take on that risk when we know a former star from Indiana was afraid to play the four. <laughs> yeah, the, the famous back and forth with Larry Bird, and Larry said he don't make the rules around here. Yeah, I remember that pretty well. <laughs> yeah, anytime we can make a Paul George joke, it's just it's just needed, you know. But uh, yeah. there's really no hard feelings. <laughs> but in the end here, uh, we're going to talk a little <laughs> bit about Thanksgiving. So I know that it's Tuesday night, and uh, we usually have this up by Wednesday at the, at the latest. So um, as far as Thanksgiving goes, what is your favorite – uh, I guess I could say, what's your favorite side dish to have with your turkey or your ham or whatever you guys have? Are you turkey or ham? Turkey. I'm both. Yeah, <laughs> we got we got like the three three different kinds, and uh, my brother in law kills it, so it's good you stuff. Deep fry them. Yeah, and then uh, I'm I'm not really sure all the specifics, but I'm just he makes it, I eat it, and I'm like, good job, bro. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah, I say a uh, side dish though. I like the. Um, Corn casserole, pretty well. Ooh, corn casserole. Good stuff. Yeah, we don't ever have corn casserole at my Thanksgiving. Uh, I've always been a big fan of green bean casserole. Yeah, uh, I I love that stuff. Uh, macaroni I and think, cheese. Uh, I think I heard Miles Turner really likes green bean casserole. Hey, so there you guys, we go. you guys have a lot in common. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I hate to rebound too. So, uh, <laughs> I'm hey, just kidding. Set- Seven and a half boards the last uh, three games. He's He has, okay, I do want to say this. He has played much better the last three games, and maybe that break that they had, those four days off, really helped him. Uh, put yep. him in better positions. He was shooting a lot more threes as well. Uh, and, and his shot looks to be looking really good. So if you've noticed, my Miles Turner slander on Twitter has calmed down a little bit. I I think it's easier to, like, just overlook everything when we're winning. Uh, yeah. It's easy to overlook his struggles because, I mean, Sabonis still has been out playing him, but I'm not going to sit there and rag on it because Sabonis almost had a triple-double last night. Yep. So, you know, but but the, but they are who they are, and I <clears> like <throat> that they're playing more together and um, that fun stuff. Now, um, as far as turkey goes, I, I do want to get back to the food here for Thanksgiving. <laughs> I I love I love getting the turkey leg off of the, uh, the deep-fried turkey. I just, I don't know, I'm a dark meat guy. Uh, I think it's a little bit more uh, tender, a little juicier. The white can be a little dry sometimes, and yeah. I hate dry meat. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, as far as me though, I love macaroni and cheese. Now, what's your favorite Thanksgiving dessert? I know this is uh, controversial, but I like the pumpkin pie with the uh, Cool Whip on it. Why is that controversial? Well, because I, I don't. You wouldn't think that it is, but some people, like I mentioned that, and it's like they love it or hate it. I feel like more people like it than don't, but you know. Well, that's we're in the age controversial of, about that. You need to just check yourself. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, I just feel like, you know, in the age of Twitter, it's like everything I say, I'm like, oh, I'm, I probably ticked somebody off. But that's all right. Uh, well, somebody's going to unfollow about politics. me. <laughs> somebody's going to unfollow me because I like pumpkin pie. <laughs> With cool Whip. Who likes Cool Whip on their pumpkin pie? This guy's a moron. <laughs> yeah, no, I love I love some pumpkin pie now. I, I like Cool Whip with it. I even like ice cream with it. I'm a big ice cream person, too. I love hot apple pie as well. Yeah. Uh, Man, I'm getting hungry uh, <laughs> thinking about all this stuff, man. But yeah, no, it's it's interesting for sure. And I and I just I don't know. I think my favorite part about Thanksgiving is just sitting back and watching football, and just you know, I don't even care about about the food that much. I just like being around family and watching football. And unfortunately, yep. I wish they had some NBA games on. I really do. Yeah, that'd be fun. 
I think they ought to try to do it next year and compete with the NFL, see what they can do. But unfortunately, NFL, man, they still get them ratings, and you got some crappy teams in the NFL this year. It's sad. Yeah, it's like the Thanksgiving tradition is, who are we going to watch the uh, Lions lose to this year? I not, know, then not, you got Dallas, not always, but <laughs> yeah. Then you got Dallas and somebody, and then the late game is supposed to be like the good one, but by the time you get to the late game, you've watched so much crappy football, you don't even want to watch the third game. Yeah. So, who knows, who knows. But All right, man, we're going to sign off here. This is episode eight. And you know what's funny is I, I think I somehow skipped episode six. So <laughs> yeah, we were off, I guess. I guess I was off because with um, the Triple Threat podcast that I do, I was on episode seven, and I forgot I started a week before, so I thought I was on the same weeks. So you I just wanted to just... get, you just wanted to get to Jermaine O'Neal's number quickly. So <laughs> well, Fachi was threatening me, so he said yeah. that if you don't go to get to, to seven, I'm going to be mad. I can't be there the next week, and that'd be episode seven. So it it all worked out. So we just episode six does not mm-hmm. exist for setting the pace. I just well, I know that uh, if you were wondering, like, man, I didn't hear episode six, but. Uh, episode episode 8 right now is up. We'll upload this ASAP and hope you guys enjoyed it. You can follow Tyler on Twitter at TylerSmith underscore ISL. Is that right? That's right. I'm, I'm remembering pretty well. Fachi, he's not here today. Uh, we, we miss Fachi for sure. <laughs> it's underscore F-A-C-C-I and I'm at Alex Gold NBA. And you can follow us at Setting the Pace 3. And until next time, we'll talk to you later. Peace out. Have a good one. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.